When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. It's time to talk jabby. He could become the first non-Bayern boss to win the Bundesliga since Jürgen Klopp. I wonder what happened to that Klopp fella. And of course, leading Leverkusen to such a brilliant season has put him in pole position to succeed Klopp at Anfield. Here to get into that are Simon Hughes and Kiefer O'Neill. As ever, let's start with those three words. Kiefer, you always prepare, so I'm going to go to that slacker, Hughes. Oh, nice, thanks. Uh, get him in. Yeah, get him in. <laughs> Kiefer? The pass master, but the irony being that his team by Leverkusen love short passes, unlike those 50-yard glorious things he used to hit. Well, yeah. Well, let's see what they're saying over at the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. Peter Keeley, he's coming home. James Lovett, the perfect match. Jamie Horton, Copite's favourite candidate. And Mark Miles, possibly a gamble. Oh, that's a bit negative, Mark. Well, everyone's a gamble, aren't they, let's be honest. What would I say? Um, yeah, I'd echo what they're saying. Get him in. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Well, he's the favourite to take over from Jürgen Klopp. Is it that simple, Sai? Because, you know, I was talking to people there and they said, like, he's not a slam dunk. Because, like, Fenway don't do slam dunks. You know, they've got to go through the whole process, their analytics departments, and all that sort of nonsense. Well, it's not nonsense, but you know what I mean. Um, but he looks as good a candidate as you could possibly get. At the moment, I think he is the only outstanding candidate. The thing is, at the moment, not one of the coaches in Europe that you'd look towards ticks every single box, but I'd say that Alonso or Shabby ticks the most of those boxes. The most obvious one being is that he's created a team out of pretty much nothing in the space of 18 months that is on the verge of winning the Bundesliga against the Bayern team, which has spent heavily on experienced players and I don't think he can overstate the the achievement there. Naturally, people are going to talk about his allegiance with, or his, his connections with Liverpool, which I think helps the arguments. But above everything else, it's it's the how quickly he's created a really top quality team and the style of the football that they play, and not only that, that the, the the defensive security with which they play with, and as well, I think this is a thing that we probably haven't spoken enough about is the performances of the team in Europe has been quite encouraging as well. Because I think any Liverpool manager will have to balance the challenge of Europe. Yeah, Kiva, here's the thing for me. If you take out the fact that he played for Liverpool, and we all think he's great, 
and, you know, he's got better hair than Arteta. Uh, if you take all that out, then he still fits the profile what Fenway Sports Group would be looking for, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's nice to be emotional about things. And I feel like with certain players, there was always that feeling, wasn't there, that you wanted them to come back to Liverpool. And Chabi Alonso was one of those that you could never really dream about because you just knew, like, he was at Real Madrid, then he was at Bayern Munich. It was just never going to be a thing that could happen at any point. And now he could come back as a manager. Obviously, that's massive, isn't it? And it feels like, you know, it would be a homecoming of sorts and a long-awaited one. But I think had he not played for Liverpool and he, you know, would have achieved what he had in his career without even, you know, you can just pretend he didn't play for Liverpool, didn't win that Champions League in 2005, wasn't the player that we watched and were just like, wow, this is what a midfielder is. Then I still think on what he's done in his career as a player, you would be like, okay, yeah, let's, let's see what he can do here. It's one thing to be a successful player, but then to be a successful manager is very difficult to translate that. It's so hard to do, and he might be about to stop Bayern Munich winning the Bundesliga, which, as we know, is no mean feat because no sides have done it for, for a long time. You have to go back to Jürgen Klopp with, obviously, Borussia Dortmund. So that just there's just feels like loads of links, doesn't there? There's this sort of, like, coming together of, of little things, and should he do that, then I feel like it doesn't really matter because of how he's turned... Bayer Leverkusen around in the obviously they've gone from relegation threatened club to you know a team at the top undefeated currently this season I think it was a Europa League semi-final last season which they narrowly lost against Roma he's turned the club around and like Sam mentioned he's done it without really like spending that much time there and that much money as well. So is there any chance that someone else will come in from you know it's um you know, basically gazumpers and get there earlier. Well, Liverpool have got a bit of a head start, it would seem, in the sense that obviously they know the Klopp's leaving. We don't know, of course, whether Real Madrid know that Ancelotti's going for certain. We don't know. Yeah, but I mean, they'll just pull the trigger on Carlo, won't they, if they think there's a better option? Yeah, but the same goes for Bayern, I guess, with, with Tuchel. I mean, if they finish seconds based around, you know, the money that you spent particularly it, it, it's obviously not a good season by their standards um, it's Harry Kane I feel sorry for <laughs> yeah he's gonna somebody said to me he's gonna end up signing for Celtic isn't he in 2030 or something just winning the league there but um, yeah um, I mean I think they're the only other two clubs that could, comp- could compete with Liverpool at this moment my hunch is that I mean I've met him a few times and the, the, the last time when we spoke on the record for an interview, I mean, it was three, four years ago, but he was he was at the beginning of his managerial career then. And he, he saw it as a really long-term sort of career. It wasn't something that he wanted to burn brightly early on and then fade away. He's seen a lot of coaches who, who do that, take jobs too early and then find themselves with nowhere to go very quickly. Oh, that said, I mean, he's been a Bayern, Bayern Leverkusen in a very short period of time. But I think, you know, the Liverpool job potentially is one that doesn't come up very often, as we know. You know, that Jürgen Klopp's been there for for a long period of time. And if you make a success of it, certainly the club isn't going to push you out the door. So I think he'll see Liverpool as a, as, a, as a sensible next step in his managerial career. It'd be a job that he'd want to stay in a long time with a view at some point in the future to maybe moving on to some of his other former clubs. And I think everybody can accept that. You know, I think... If he comes to Liverpool and does well, 
no one's going to be begrudge him going elsewhere after that. I would say the world has changed now. You know, the, the era of staying at Liverpool and the club being a destination forever. It, it, well, it, I don't think that really exists in football across the board, really. So, I think you'd prefer it to be Liverpool to Real Madrid than Real Madrid to Liverpool, for example. I, I think so, yeah, because you, you, at, at Liverpool, it's, they're two totally different jobs, basically. And I think he will get more responsibility at Liverpool because the manager's tend to after a certain period of time but I, I just think that ultimately he will he's a smart guy he will realise that alright he's only been at Leverkusen a, short, a relatively short period of time he's achieved an awful lot in that period of time um, but the Liverpool job won't come around again anytime soon potentially whereas there's every chance a Real Madrid manager or a Bayern Munich manager will be sacked within six months if they're not doing well Now take all that on board but do you want to be the monkey who follows, or, or, or the woman, hopefully in more progressive times, who follows Jurgen Klopp? I mean, Serena Wiegmann would do a job, let me tell you. And she did recently stand up for You Never Walk Alone. Like it was the national anthem at Prem Park when <laughs> Liverpool women played Arsenal, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. But anyway, um, it is massive, isn't it? But then I think with that pressure, there's almost like the opposite of that as well, because... You know, Jürgen has achieved so much at Liverpool and I feel like the person that comes in after him will have the sort of, you need the mantle to be taken up, but at the same time there will be patience and I feel like Chabi Alonso is the kind of, he was the kind of player, he feels like the kind of manager that would have that level of patience and calm and, you know, use it both, I'm sure, Metham and, you know, you've mentioned Ty numerous times. Like, what is he like? Because to me he comes across as someone who's, quite relaxed and calm yet like really sort of driven as well obviously um as a player but then as a manager as well I wonder sort of like he won't be an entertainer or you know I can't see his press conferences like you know doing things what Jürgen Klopp does and saying things but I can imagine there'll be this like heart and passion to him that maybe he's a little bit quieter well I think whoever replaces Jürgen Klopp is it's impossible to replace him in terms of the, the 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 charisma and the personality. I guess he's probably a one-off in world football at the moment. So there's no point trying to replace him. What what they have to do is, as as an ownership group, is find somebody. I think pretty quickly who command who commands respect. And I think as a player, Xabi Alonso certainly does that. His name still travels well because of his achievements as a player. And then I think obviously what he's done at Bayer Leverkusen. Straight away, that is going to excite. I would say a lot of the players as well, because I think I think the good thing about him as as an option, as a leading option, is that he will offer something different to Klopp as well. I think he plays a slightly different style of football. Although there's a lot of people saying, "Oh well, you know, he, he's possession football and Klopp isn't." It's like, well, if you've been watching Liverpool the last the last couple of years, you know, the, the team plays with a lot more of the ball. I think certainly has the midfield players and, and players in other areas of the pitch to be able to execute the style of football that he wants. But I think where they are similar, and in answer to Kiva's question, is that he's his own person with strong views about the way the game is played and about the way he conducts himself. Uh, he's got a strong sense of his own identity. I think if you look back at like sort of why it unravelled from the way it did at Liverpool when he, he fell out with Rafa Benitez and sort of half rescued that relationship before I think they both realised it, it wasn't possible to rescue it, is that Chabi Alonso stuck to his guns, you know, and it, 
you've got to respect that. Maybe at the time he got a bit of criticism. He wasn't playing particularly well. People tended to side with Rafa early on in that argument. But it, I think what it shows is that he's 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 a tough a tough person who who will you know who will stand up for himself. And I think that you that is just one one basic thing that you've got to have when you when you're Liverpool manager. I think he he's a much tougher person that people might realise. He's obviously very smart, but he, he's streetwise as well. And all those things that you see on the pitch, it's like, I, I say it a lot, Jürgen Klopp is, you know, front-footed, he's aggressive, his team's are that. Xabi Alonso is, is a great footballer, thoughtful, but also, I'd say, you know, knows when to stand, you know, to step forward. And I think you'll see that in his team. We've seen that this season with Bayer Leverkusen. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com. Let's find out what they're thinking about in Germany from the Athletics correspondent, Seb Stafford-Bloor. Seb, brilliant to have you. Thanks for having me. What do they think about it in Germany? Well, a bit of context. I think everything in Germany is really focused towards Bayern Munich. And, of course, you have a kind of binary response to Saturday Saturday evening's game, which is obviously well done Leverkusen, but um, pretty much every major media outlet in the country descending into a kind of a crisis mode around Bayern Munich because they're the biggest story in town. Thomas Tuchel's future, that's, that's the hot topic. I think... Um, we have to remember with with Leverkusen is that they're a club who are built to kind of recycle, to you know, to lose players, to lose coaches, and to go again. And so, the idea of Javi Alonso potentially moving on is it's it's not a huge story. There isn't the kind of the blow by blow analysis of the gossip that you might get in England. And it's just expected that he'll do good things at Leverkusen and then move on up the ladder because that's what the club is designed to do. Every club in Germany other than Bayern Munich is a selling club. So it's kind of the reality, unfortunately. You would think, given the the level of crisis, well, I mean, there's a lot of clubs who kill for a crisis like Bayern Munich's, but they they obviously will be first in the queue for any up-and-coming young manager in the Bundesliga. They will do. And historically, it's one, it's a kind of an established route. I mean, it's a little bit overstated because it hasn't really happened very much. I mean, Rafa Guerrero moved from Dortmund to, to Bayern Munich over the summer on a free transfer. But it's, yeah, it's overemphasized the idea that Bayern Munich just plunder every other club in the Bundesliga for players or, or coaches. In this instance, it's not a great time. I mean, I know we joke about it, it being a good kind of crisis, but Bayern Munich, who traditionally, at least throughout the kind of the duration of their 11 years of Bundesliga monopoly, 
they've been very stable, um, an executive and kind of technical player level. And I think, you know, one of the sort of the, the, the undercurrents over the past few years has been transition and fluidity. And obviously everybody remembers that on the day they won their last Bundesliga title, they sacked Oliver Kahn, the CEO, sacked Hassan Salahamzic, the board director for sport. And whilst those individuals have been replaced, the idea of what Bayern are going to be heading into, you know, what you might term a new era, still a little bit undetermined. No one's quite certain. There's still a little bit of moaning about the squad. There's still a few eruptions around, you know, who holds what power in terms of um, recruiting and what is the kind of the, the general footballing belief system of Christopher Freund, the, the, you know, the, um, the person who has replaced Hassan Salahamazic. And so if you were to inherit this group, and you were to inherit things like an aging Manuel Neuer, a Yosu Kimmich, who thinks he's more of a six than he really is, Leon Goretzka, who's kind of creaking a little bit physically, uh, Harry Kane, who um, is clearly still in the prime of his career, but um, is getting a little bit older. Serge Gnabry, what do you do with him? Like, can you fix this defence? Because you've got all these really interesting, expensive parts who, for whatever reason, don't seem to fit together. These are good problems to have, but they're still problems. And there are better options on the horizon for someone whose stock is as high as Alonso's. And let's face it, in terms of going forward, although Bayern Munich are the giants in Germany, the Premier League is where it's at until you go to Real Madrid, of course, for, for any up-and-coming manager. I think so. And it, it's interesting because beyond Alonso, I mean, we, we've all spoken to kind of to managers around Europe in our time. It's very interesting listening to them talk about it as if it's kind of, it's, it's, it's the land of milk and honey, isn't it, right? It's, it's like the sunlit uplands of managerial life is to go and manage in the Premier League. Um, and I think there's also this instance of like, if, you, if you're Jabby Alonso now and you win the Bundesliga title with Bayer Leverkusen, and not forgetting, he, he might also win the German Cup too. He, he should do, given the teams left in it at the semi-final stage. Leverkusen are by far the strongest side left. So if you've done that, with a lesser club who have a kind of a who are at a financial disadvantage, what are you potentially gaining by going to Bayern Munich? What are you achieving that you couldn't otherwise? Okay, maybe a tilt of the Champions League, but I would argue that a club like Liverpool, for instance, are sort of a better arm to do that, are the, are the better vehicle and offer the kind of the, the greater range of, of opportunity. And so, yeah, I, I get that completely. It's just, it's the way of it. And also, perhaps a kind of a secondary or tertiary factor is that German football at the moment is in a very strange position. Obviously, people around the world have seen the kind of the um, the supported demonstrations against the the proposed DFL investor deal, where um, uh, the idea is to sell off eight percent of future television revenue to um, private investment firms. Uh, that has gone down as badly as you might expect in a country like Germany, where the the fan culture is so strong. And so, it's a very uh, Volatile, probably the right word. Very volatile space, German football at the moment. So it's not a, it's clearly not a leading issue, but it, it's, it's in the water here. And it's, um, yeah, you, you, uh, it's easy to see why the Premier League would be a kind of, um, you know, more, more colourful option for somebody at the moment. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion, um, certainly in the UK around Liverpool in relation to the style of the football that, that Xabi Alonso brings. People question on whether, it's an easy fit given, you know, Jurgen Klopp's well-known reputation for delivering teams with high intensity. I, I just wonder what your your interpretation is of the football and how easy or difficult it would be for Alonso to come into Liverpool with the players that Liverpool currently have. 
I suppose two ways of answering that. So the first one is like from a technical perspective, no doubt Liverpool have the players that Alonso would like to use. So like, I suppose like the most obvious pronounced dynamic in his Leverkusen team is the sort of, is the relationship between the two wingbacks or the two fullbacks, depending on the system used. And you have um, Jeremy Fringpong being pushed very, very high, sometimes the furthest man forward. And Alex Grimaldo playing a bit more of a considered playmaking role on the other side. You have your internal playmakers who are very gifted technical footballers. Clearly, Liverpool have plenty of those. And then, you know, forwards who, you know, score goals, but also can create and can, you know, do some of those sort of out-to-in playmaking dynamics themselves. That that could clearly work. The little caveat I'd insert here is that for people who don't know, Leverkusen is not a big place. Leverkusen is a town built around a factory. Um, it was built up around the biopharmaceutical company. The team is the factory team traditionally, and in Germany, nobody like in the in the in the big media sense, right? In England, you've got Manchester United, Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, all these massive clubs that kind of split media attention. In Germany, if you don't play for Bayern Munich and if you don't coach Bayern Munich, the level of scrutiny you face is just nothing. Maybe Borussia Dortmund is the exception, but Jebi Alonso has gone into a first senior management role in a place where there is no scrutiny, where there, you know, even in the beginning where actually it didn't click immediately, they were quite boring to watch. And some of their football sort of, you know, if you remember what watching Mikel Arteta's Arsenal was like before it, you know, really evolved properly, it was quite stale and plodding. And, you know, there are a few disparaging remarks made and you're able to have that at a place like Leverkusen because you're not expected challenge for the title. You're, you're not an underdog because you have a degree of financial might, but you're definitely not coaching under bright lights. And so there's a little bit of that also. I think one of the successes that successes of the appointment is that Leverkusen have a very young, young squad. Uh, and whilst they're kind of, they're temp pegged around this season, importantly, players like Granit Xhaka and Grimaldo and Jonas Hoffman, like experienced proper, like fully fledged internationals who know their way around a football pitch in a league season. Um, a lot of these players are young and impressionable, uh, very pliable in the coaching sense. Is that the same in the Premier League where there's a bit more ego? Some of your players uh, earn a lot more money. Like it's, it, it's not me saying it's a, it's a bad fit. It's just a difference. And you wonder how that might play out. So that, there's that too. And, and also, he wouldn't come with quite the same standing as Jurgen Klopp. Like he's not as forceful a personality. He's not so overwhelming. I don't think he's going to conduct Anfield in quite the same way. He's not quite the same personality. Has a gravitas. Is not as bombastic, if that's not quite the wrong word. But I think you get what I mean. Alonso was not always that calm and considered. Back in the 2000s, in a derby against his great mate, Mikel Arteta, they had to fall on out. I forget exactly what happened. I think it was Arteta tried to get Alonso booked or vice versa. And the pair of them had played together as kids and grown up together and not knew each other really well. They were neighbours in the Albert Dock, but they had a huge falling out. They didn't speak to each other for like three days. <laughs> and you'd think that's not so bad. But actually, they ate together almost every night, you know. So, I mean, it was, um, oh yeah, it was daggers drawn. One of the concerns is the three, arguably the biggest players at the club, uh, out of contracts, you know, in a year's time, we're entering that window where they've got to do the negotiations. Kiva, do you think Alonso's got the status to make them go, all right, yeah, we'll give this a go? Absolutely. I mean, he's got 11 million followers on Instagram. I don't think many managers have that, do they? He's someone that 
I think a lot of the players at Liverpool will have watched. Um, Thiago played alongside them, I know that, and they're close friends. And he, you know, was one of the people that told Thiago to, you know, go to Liverpool and Thiago sought advice from him in that process. So, you know, um, Liverpool have um, him to thank, even though obviously Thiago has not seen a lot of football for Liverpool in the past year. But, you know, another sort of, it feels like he's this personality that I think would quietly command the dressing room because of who he is and what he's achieved in his career as a player but then also like the work he's done now to become a manager it has been maybe a quieter path but it's suddenly making noise you know going from going back to his roots of Real Sociedad to getting the B team promoted and then I think they get relegated again but all you know these sort of learning curves and now doing a in Germany, you know, to topple Bayern Munich would be massive. And I think he would come with a lot of respect, even for just getting there. You know, look how close Borussia Dortmund went last season. There's a level of respect that that team got that close. So I think even if it doesn't happen for him, he will have that respect. And I mean, I would absolutely want to play for Chabi Alonso. I don't know about you. It, it seems like, you know, it might not be heavy metal football, but Liverpool could still keep the place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and Seb, he has got gravitas. He's the sort of person that you do want to listen to. A hundred percent. I mean, the word I'd use, Tony, is probably reverence. Like, especially amongst younger players who, in a lot of cases, grew up watching him and all the things that he achieved. Um, over the summer, I had the, the chance to go to Leverkusen's training camp in Austria and, and watch a few of their sessions. He's tough. Like him and his his group of, of coaches, who I, I don't know much about his kind of support staff, but on the training pitch, he's, I know the kind of the assumption is he's going to coach like he played in a sort of a, a bit of an armchair. He's such, he was such an elegant, classy footballer that you kind of, you expect it to be kind of all gestures and laughs and, you know, that kind of stuff. But actually he's, um, he's very similar to Mikola Teta in his kind of tenor on the training pitch. And, um, Granit Xhaka said the same thing. He, 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 he talked during that period about how when he joined, like, he saw all the similarities between the two because obviously he just left Arsenal and just kind of had his career resurrected by by Arteta um, in London and then came over and, you know, felt a very similar approach in the way they they think about the game, yes, but also the way in which they coach and, and deal with kind of the technical elements. So you, you, you've got to have a certain amount of respect to be that way, and especially if it's your first senior job, like in football, you, to, to kind of be that forceful with, with players and, um, yeah, like... A, it, Clearly, players seem to enjoy his sessions and, uh, you know, it was worth, like, whilst there aren't many reclamation projects at Leverkusen, there was a lot of untapped potential in my mind. Like, you, you think of guys like uh, Kasuna and Tapsoba, um, Florian Wurtsoft, who came back from injury, Jeremy Fringpom. All these guys have gone from a position where they're really well thought of to, God, these guys are world-class players in the making. Um, Wurtz looks like... Uh, well, in my mind, the best player in Germany at the moment just looks like a world-class number 10 in the making, if he's not already there. Kasunu has been brilliant. Tapsoba has been excellent. Jonathan Tarr has had a, his career has, again, really been resurrected from being kind of out of the Germany team to being kind of someone who will play in the summer. To have that effect on players, you've got to have some kind of hold on them, I always think. And you know, there, there are some similarities there with Klopp. You guys know better than I do, but um, you know, you, you, you've got to have that command, and clearly he does, regardless of his, um, regardless of where it comes from. Yeah, and so one thing which is really should, when Fenway look at CVs, they should be looking for this fairly high up is success in Europe, because that's something that obviously we all value. 
and he's been very good in Europe, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that was something they really overlooked in the early years of their ownership, thinking that they could appoint a young up and coming manager like Brendan Rodgers, who had you know no experience of Europe, and it really actually showed. I think it, it, it's actually going into Liverpool so early, coaching in Europe so early. That's not really helped his development as a coach. He'd have been better <laughs> on reflection, maybe staying at Swansea, coaching in Europe and learning his mistakes that way rather than under the under the pressure of a club like Liverpool. I mean, let's not forget, Xabi Alonso has played in Europe as well. So he knows what it's like as a player to, to go week to week from match to match uh, and the challenges around that. And I do think that's important. You know, I know that obviously being a player and a manager, two totally different jobs, but he will appreciate what the players need because of his own experiences. I think, you know, we, we touched on his personality there and quite interesting to hear from Seb. There are some pa- parallels with Klopp, I think. I think one thing that I, I noticed the last time I met him is he uses fewer words to make his points, which that comes across as being more decisive and him knowing exactly what he needs to say to get people's attention. When I when I met him when he was a Bayern player at, at the training ground there, you know, he was still a player and he was like sort of, one of the lads, really, really decent fella who you quite happily go for a meal with or a pint with and, and chat about things. It, he's obviously got a sense of his own self-worth, but he was, he's not an egotist like, like other managers are once, but I think that's because he know, you know, he knows he's, he's, he's got the, the medals to prove that he was a very good player. So th- there's no sort of, um, self-doubt there with him. Um, but I did notice the last time I met him when he'd become a coach. He was a lot more succinct in what he was saying, a lot more deliberate. And I think you would see that on the football pitch, whether it be on the training ground or or in the matches. A bit more business-like maybe, but I think amongst the players, you know, they, they will see the sides of his personality, which will be important. I do think that whoever succeeds here in Klopp will need to remember that one of his biggest strengths really is his relationships with his players and communicating with them. I think the players at Liverpool know where they stand and I think that will be the big thing for, for Chabi Alonso or anyone else to uh, to achieve when, when they come in. Seb, thanks for your insight. You can come back here anytime. What a voice you've got. It's brilliant. Thanks for having me. You're all right, Doto, and I could listen to you all day, Seb. Oh, you guys are sweet. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot. Probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Kiva, are there any other viable candidates out there? No. I mean, I've kind of thought through the list of those linked with Liverpool and I'm just like, this is the name that 
like you feel is the one that Liverpool fans have just been saying from, you know, as soon as that shocking announcement was made, the Chabby Alonso's name just appeared and never went away because it just who I was like thinking, like, who actually right now? Um football's weird, isn't it? Because like say when Gerard was having his success with Rangers, if this would have happened, then you feel like he still does inexperience there, but for what he means to the club. His name would have been doing the round, you imagine. Not in Boston, I don't think. But but now, you know, like, it just, it changes, doesn't it? So, like, you know, if this was in a year's time and Alonso was just having a terrible time, would he be, you know, would his name be there? I, I think he would, but it just, it is funny, isn't it? Because you look around at, like, R- Roberto De Zerbi, for example, like, he's a, a fantastic manager and you know, some games I've watched and just been like, well, like tactically a genius and just like very much you get that Jürgen Klopp sort of energy on the touchline from him because he just doesn't stop. I think probably sweats more than his players he gives that much. But then Brighton's decline recently over the course of this season has sort of been made him a questionable candidate then, hasn't it? So you kind of look at, at people like that, like, and Postacoglu, I think, personality-wise, obviously, you know, he grew up a Liverpool fan. He's almost got that personality, and but he's just in the midst and at the beginning of starting something at Tottenham. So two, three years down the line and a trophy later, you know, that might be, we might be having a different conversation. But right now, it just feels like Chabi Alonso is the one true sort of candidate for Liverpool and the one that I think the fans will be most happy with. So... I mean, your view on other candidates, but also, this, they said they want to appoint a sporting director first. Do you need to do that? Just go ahead, pull the trigger, get the sporting, sporting director in afterwards, you know? I, I have given this some thought. Um, the only other person that I can think of, really, based on the parameters of trying to get somebody who is achieved elsewhere what you're trying to achieve, essentially, that's where Liverpool have had the most success in this century. So Benitez had won the leagues with Valencia. They got him in. He obviously did very well at Liverpool. And then Jürgen Klopp, you know, came along and he did done what, what Liverpool was attempting to achieve. Essentially, they're trying to get, let Jürgen Klopp's successor really will have to do a similar role to what Jürgen Klopp, or, or achieve a similar thing to what Jürgen Klopp achieved in the sense that you're, you're trying to beat Man City, basically, <laughs> you know, which which isn't easy. So, Alonso ticks that that box, doesn't he? But the only other the only other person really in Europe where you might compare it would be somebody like Simone Inzaghi at, at Inter, who you know turned a team that was sort of they had won the league, but they had financial problems. They then became you know really competitive again. They've done really really well in the Champions League. I actually think they're really impressed against Liverpool two years ago when Liverpool knocked them out. But Liverpool quite lucky over the two legs, to be honest. Been really impressed by the style of football. The only thing that again sort of knocks him down is the language issue. I think that that is an issue because it comes down to, as I say, the communication with the players. I think whoever is Liverpool manager will be able to, will have to be a very good communicator and obviously speaking English is a, is a starting point for that. I don't think Inzaghi speaks much of any English at all. Outside candidates, I mean, I know Kiva mentioned De Zerbi, Postacoglu. The other one, I mean, this is not based on any inside information, but... Knowing the way Family Sports Group think, I would be surprised if they hadn't looked at Thomas Frank, mainly because he's got that sort of similar, slightly quirky personality that Klopp has. They play similarly direct football and he's had a lot of success based around 
um, data and has been successful in signing young young players who are undervalued elsewhere. I'm I will be surprised if they haven't t- at least talked about him. But I just think the step up between the clubs is probably too vast at this stage. And as I say, Thomas Frank has not has not achieved anything in Europe. So there's there's my there's my long winded answer to that initial question. In terms of the sporting director, I would be surprised if whoever is the manager isn't kept in the loop about this. There's going to have to be a connection between the two of them. I mean, the thing is, most young-ish managers now have worked with sporting directors at some sort. Xabi Alonso has worked with one at Bayer Leverkusen. It's just the fans. I think Liverpool fans particularly are still sceptical of like sort of the issue with the sporting director, really. I think it's largely because we place so much faith in in the manager because this is ultimately, you know, I would argue that the cult of the manager is certainly augmented by Bill Shankly and the importance of the manager. So any sporting directors almost treated with a bit of suspicion. But I do think it's important to modern football to get that appointment right. As for inside information as to who Liverpool are looking at, I honestly don't know, but I suspect it'll be somebody who we haven't thought of who's right under the radar. Kiva, is, is, is Pep Linders even in with the show to this? Funnily enough, I was just thinking about him because he's obviously been at the club for a long time. He's been at the club before, you know, worked at the academy and... He knows the club inside out. He'll know everyone's name at Kirby, you know, at the training centre. He'll know how everything works and that continuity he could provide is why, you know, fans are sort of going, wouldn't he stick around? And, you know, but obviously he's announced that he's leaving at the end of the season, which kind of sort of undoes all that sort of hope and dream that Jürgen Klopp's successor could be Pep Linders. I think he's a, a phenomenal coach. He's been the one at times that has brought that intensity because, you know, a lot of the time you see him training the players and I think he you know he's he's enabled Jürgen Klopp probably to go on so long and that he's given away his own energy and sort of saved Jürgen I guess Klopp some energy himself you know Pep Linders has given a lot and I feel like how Liverpool play and everything else you know the team um, how they tick has been key he's been key to it hasn't he but whether he would then become manager which you know doesn't feel likely does it really um no i get the sense he's not you know not even in the frame which is weird because again like you know you talk about time and moving doors and all that kind of stuff sliding doors but it feels like you know once upon a time it was like right Klopp will leave one day and Pep Linders will take over but it feels weirdly like that ship's kind of sailed now i think Linders could go on you know i think other clubs will be already eyeing him up and looking at him because they'll be thinking, well, you know, he's got the secrets to success. He's worked with Klopp for all these years. If you can't get Klopp, then surely he's the next best thing. So, you know, whoever gets him will absolutely, you know, be landing on the feet, I think. But again, it's a big test for him being the the main man, being the manager and, and leading the team. Obviously, you know, it'll be a transition for him too. And I think had he stayed at Liverpool and become the manager, I mean, one worry would be that, then when things aren't going right or things fall away or results aren't quite there, which, you know, could well happen next season because Klopp's gone and this this kind of thing happens when managers who've been at the club and had a period of success leave, you know, period of, you know, whatever's to come, we don't know. But I feel like as soon as things turned a little bit on Pep Linders, they might turn more harshly than they would on Xabi Alonso and not just because he's a former Liverpool player, but because... He's obviously been around for a long time, so it almost would feel like, well, can't you fix it because you've been here for that long? I feel like fans would maybe have less patience towards him than they would for Alonso. 
Well, Sai spoke about Thomas Frank, which brings us neatly to um, Brentford, 12.30 on Saturday, and what could be the start of a runner playing 26 games between now and the end of the season, which is an awful lot. I mean, it's basically playing every week, you know, midweek. Um, and it's a difficult game, isn't it? You know, going down to West London, early start. I mean, at least there's no Europe this week and they've had time to prepare for it. But it's not going to be easy. Ivan Tony, of course there's problems in the past, haven't they, Kiva? Absolutely. I think it was that 2021-22 season, wasn't it, when Liverpool... Curtis Jones scored and then he went off and did Liverpool end up losing that game or drawing? I think they dropped points anyway from a leading position. It might have been three all. I just remember that when I looked back on that season and thought, you know, Liverpool lost out very narrowly again to Man City on, on the last day of the season. And, you know, you think that you lose it on the last day, but you lose it over the course of the season. And that game at Brentford, that just felt like one of those games that really did impact Liverpool's season as a whole it just felt like they couldn't get over the line quite in that game and Brentford have that in the locker we know under Thomas Frank and with Ivan Tony back now we know they've struggled a little bit recently but obviously you know with Tony back it feels like that sort of magic and that sort of like giant killing energy that they have has returned to them so this is probably the worst time of the season I think for Liverpool to go there because it is a difficult ground to go to, even though it's small, you know, it's compact. It just feels like the fans really get behind the team and there's this sort of um, energy in there that might just upset Liverpool. And as we know, those 1230s can be hit or miss. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely. And if Frank isn't he getting looked at by Fenway Sports Group, which I agree with Sai, he's the sort of person that they'll they'll run their eye over at least. Um, then you'll see this as a, an audition. However, I think the likeliest job offer will go to Chabi Alonso. And you know what? The man nearly, yo, Kiva, he nearly killed me once. He gave, nearly gave me a heart attack. In Istanbul, the night was so frantic. You couldn't take it all in. I was like, my mind was was blown. Anyway, we went to we went to a bar. It's four o'clock in the morning. We're in a bar in Istanbul, and they were showing the highlights. When the keeper saved Jabby's penalty, I was like, "Has it all been a dream? Have I woke up? He didn't score, and then he put it in. I've forgotten that he that the keeper had saved it, and then he put it in the rebounds." <laughs> In all the mayhem and madness. I thought you were about to say he walked in the bar. No, no. I mean, that would have been less of a shock to me. But I'm like, did we win it? Did we win it? Have I been hallucinating? You know, the whole experience was so crazy. But, you know. I think that penalty is like the one penalty, I think, in the history of football that I can remember literally every sort of moment from. Yeah, in my in my mind's eye, it had gone straight in, and like uh, it was a it was a big shock to me when <laughs> you know the, the, I saw it unfold on the telly. But no, no, and the, the one thing is, he eventually put the ball in the net, and, th- and then that, he got. I think he got taken out, didn't he? By was it Milan Baros or something? Someone just pulled him as he was celebrating. I'm always like, kind of made it the perfect celebration, but at the same time, I would like to see where he ended up. You well, know? I, I, I think what said to me is that. No matter what happens, he'll find a way of getting it done. So, you know, so I'd like to see him at Anfield. Well, that's it from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be back with you next week after the Reds have been to Brentford and hopefully we'll have three more points in the bag.
The Athletic.